Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. I'm preaching a message on excuses, and we're going to look at two people in our Bibles, because a lot of times we, can, we think of excuses, and I even had to catch myself this week, because I knew I was preaching on this. I even thought about how many times I make excuses, not, I don't, I don't even, and you, I know you are the same way, you don't even think about it. Just by default, you can have an excuse. It's just, if it's something you don't, it's not in your normal routine, something you don't normally do, I promise you, you will make an excuse for it. You won't even consider it an excuse. It's just not what you do. And we're going to look at two people. We're going to, so we're going to be in Exodus chapter 4, and we're going to look at Moses. And these were, these were the and these were the greatest prophets. And then we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah has more verses of the Bible than anyone else. Moses, he was buried by God. I mean, he wrote the law. He met the Lord on Mount Sinai. But what's amazing about these two men, and not only that, the, when we get to Jeremiah, he has the most quoted covenantal Bible verse there in Jeremiah 31.31. 31. So it's a phenomenal time that we look here at these two men who were called and commanded by the Lord and asked for what they need to be doing. And what they, they start doing, they start making excuses. So turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4 and Jeremiah chapter 1. Do you know, I think one of the saddest, you know, you think about excuses. I mean, even for me, um, you, when, you, when someone asks you to do something, we all live in routines, and, a, and when someone asks you to do something, and it's out of your routine, next thing you know, you will quickly be making an excuse for that. And now, sometimes, uh, excuses, um, they're truthful, but a lot of times, the real reason we give excuses is simply because we just don't want to do it, or we're tired, or we're sleepy, or just, hey, it's just I don't, don't want to do it. It's not because we can't. Because if you really look at yourself, if you wanted to, you can. If, if you think about it, you can do what you want to do. You, like, some, like folks say, you always make time for what's important to you. So if you really wanted to do something, you could f- amazingly find some time. Because people find, for t- find time for what they want to do. But I think of one sad example of my life, or my ministry, of someone who, uh, back in Georgia, there was a family, they started coming to our church, and actually joined our church, and several of the kids got baptized. They had like four, a big family, four or five kids. And he was a football coach, and yes, they were very busy, but after about three years, sadly, this is what happens to people. After folks, a lot of times, start getting established in church, they start meeting friends, they start getting plugged in. After about three to four years, what happens? Usually people come in church and they're excited. They meet folks, they get plugged in, they're looking forward to doing stuff. But then about year four, they start to, all of a sudden, every Sunday becomes every other Sunday. And then once a month. And then once a quarter. And then it's like they've dropped out of Sunday school and you just don't hardly see them anymore. And I remember talking to this gentleman, and that was going on in his life. And I asked him, I said, I'm not going to say his name because I'm Facebook friends with him. I said, sir, uh, you know, I just miss seeing you at church. Y'all were just, 
y'all are involved and now you're just fading away. I don't ever see you anymore. What's anything going on? And this man told me with a straight face that he was doing laundry. That's literally what he told me. He said, Dan, I'm just so busy because we've got all these kids and they're active in so much stuff and I'm just exhausted on Sundays and we, we have made Sundays laundry day. And that's literally what they are doing. He's, he's folding clothes and washing clothes. And what's sad about this? Three years later, sadly, that man got divorced. And I'm not going to say he wouldn't have gotten divorced if he had stayed in church, but you could literally see the progressive a progression negatively. When he quit going, he dropped out. I guess he did laundry all the time. And his commitment to the Lord, it fell like when, he, when his, we had marital problems, he came to see me miraculously. He started coming back to church. And I remember being with him in my office, praying with him. He was crying for the Lord to restore his marriage. And I didn't call him out on it, but I just, in my mind, I just wanted to rewind and say, Sir, I saw the signs. They were right there. I asked you, I was begging you, and you bring your family to church, because his family would follow his leadership. It wasn't like his wife wouldn't come and the kids, I mean, he'd throw them in the car and they'd throw them in the van and they'd come. But he just began to make excuses. Well, as he's begging for the Lord to restore his family and his wife, I just kept thinking, I'm sorry, Dan, I've got, I've got laundry to do. And here's the thing about excuses. When it comes to the Lord spiritually, we have to make sure of all the excuses that we do not give excuses to God. Now, you can give excuses to a lot of different things, but our commitment to the Lord, you protect your Sundays, you protect your Sunday school hour, you protect your time with God. Because, folks, once that goes, once that foundation begins to crumble, once you just start making excuses, God, I'm too tired, I can't do this, I have no time. Well, again, you find time for whatever is important. You, that, that should always be running through your mind. You find time for what's important. And the Lord knows that too. When you make excuses to the Lord, He says, He's singing, you're just, I'm just not important to you. You're showing me your priorities. And then He pulls back and says, good luck. Look here in your Bible. Exodus chapter 4. I want to look at these two men. We're going to look at Moses and Jeremiah, two of the greatest Old Testament prophets. And when they first met the Lord, they started just spewing out the excuses. They started telling God, here's why I can't do this. Here's why I can't do that. And I want, from my experience with excuses, for God, a lot of times, He does not come and ask us to pack up our bags and to go to India to reach an unengaged, unreached people group. Now, he could do that. He could call you to be an IMB missionary. You could be commanded by the Lord that you need to go overseas and do that. But usually that's not... It could be, but the excuses we give, folks, it's basic stuff. It's the daily devotional time. It's inviting your lost neighbor your family member, your friend to Sunday school and to church. It's the simple stuff. It's just regularly saying Sundays is for the Lord. I'm going to devote this time to God, and it is the top priority. Tithing is for the Lord. Uh, 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 serving. 
You know, when you come to church, you have a servant's attitude. These are things you have a mindset of, gosh, I don't really want to be here. I'm only here for ice cream. No. Say, I'm here because I have a love for Jesus. And that, that mindset overflows to other people. So we're going to read this here. You're in your Bible, and here it is. God has called Moses from a burning bush. He had to take off his shoes because he's standing on holy ground. And he's commanding him that you're going to go to Egypt, this very country that you ran away from, and you're going to go speak to Pharaoh for me. And you're going to go say, let those people go. So here's, here it starts out. First excuse, chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered the Lord, but what if they won't believe me? And they will not obey me, but say, the Lord did not appear to you. I mean, there it is. He's saying, what, what, what do I do if they don't believe me? I mean, God, these folks aren't going to listen to me. Egyptians, they don't care. They don't care what I say. I mean, this is the most powerful nation on earth. What on earth is going to happen? The Lord asked him, what's in your hand? A staff. So then when they went through this ceremony, they, Moses took a staff. He threw it on the ground. It becomes a snake. And, uh, and then he picks it back up. It becomes a staff again. And then not only that, he puts his hand inside of a cloak. It turns into a disease, leprous disease. He puts it back in cloak and it's rehealed. I mean, those are some miracles. So God is confirming to Moses, said, Moses, I can overcome your excuses. They'll listen to you because your staff's going to be a snake. You're, you can just throw leprosy like that. I promise you, Pharaoh, you're going to get his attention. But then it doesn't end there. So... Um, and not only that, you take some water and pour it on the ground, it becomes blood. So these are some miracles to show to Pharaoh that I am the Lord. But that, that, doesn't, that doesn't matter, because God overcame those excuses. So look what Moses says. Skip down to verse 10. You're in your Bibles. Mo, uh, Exodus 4, 10. Our Bibles tell us, Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent either in the past or recently, or since you've been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. He just said, Lord, I'm not a public speaker. I don't know English very well. I'm, not, I'm dumb. I don't even have a good education. I flunked out of school. I'm just, I'm an old country boy of all the people. I, I'm not the man to stand in front of the Egyptian Pharaoh and speak on your behalf. There are better public speakers who have a better command of the language than me, Moses. In fact, I have a, a, a slurred speech. The Lord said to him in verse 11, Who placed a mouth on humans? Who made a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. He's saying, Moses, you, it doesn't even matter. I gave you a mouth. I'll give you the words to say. I created you. I am choosing you to be my voice. One of the amazing things about preaching the gospel, do you know in the Bible, God, uh, except Christ, but God himself, he does not go around preaching himself. He does not use angels to preach himself we never see an angel preaching the gospel do you know who he uses to proclaim truth to other people it's humans it's you and i he uses people like us 
as the vessels that he's going to go and share the good news. And this is important because Moses is he's 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 he's, he's forgetting. He's, the Lord is saying, Moses, I created you. I'll even teach you what to say. And then look what Moses says in verse thirteen. Moses said, "Please, Lord, just send someone else. Just anyone. I, I don't even care who it is. Just send someone else." And look at look here. Do not miss this Bible verse. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and he is on his way now to meet you. The Lord's anger burned against Moses because he would not answer the call. God is calling him. God is giving him uh, a a special mission to go on to, to Egypt. And here it is, excuse after excuse after excuse. And what was amazing about that, Moses finally revealed the truth. Lord, I just, just send someone else. Just, I, I don't even want to do it. And I think that's, a, that's, our, that's our common, re, common response to the Lord. It's just, God, just let Daniel do it. Let, let Sherry do it. Let Miss Boggs do it. Just anyone else. Just anyone but me. I'm busy. I'm sorry. I'm going to bed. That's just what folks say. And, and God burns with anger. And I want to tell you, the problem with that is when we keep pushing the Lord back and tell Him no, 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 eventually He quits putting His call on us. Our hearts just develop, we're hardened towards sin because it is actually sinful to tell the Lord no. We don't tell God no. Moses is having God burn with him against with his anger. Flip over in your Bible now to Jeremiah. Jeremiah also dealt with this. Jeremiah is one of our great Old Testament prophets. What happened during Jeremiah's day is he was, this is the, where the first, uh, there was two kingdoms, a northern and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom had already fallen. And he was the prophet of the southern kingdom. And he came about, during about a 40-year reign over, through various kings, some good kings, mostly bad kings, and he preached against the wickedness of his time. In the book of Jeremiah, we see that Jeremiah was one who, um, he illustrated a lot of the things that he did when he proclaimed. But he also used the same old excuses that Moses used. So I want you to start here. We're in Jeremiah chapter 1. Verse 4, because Jeremiah receives a call from the Lord and he, he says the same thing. He says, I'm too young. I can't speak well. I'm just no good. Just get someone else, anyone God but me. I don't want to do it. Verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. That's the gospel call on Jeremiah's life, reminding him, so Jeremiah, I want you to know, before you were born, you, I had chose you in the womb. I knew who you were. This is also why you should be pro-life. Because babies in a womb were chosen by God. Nothing is by accident. We see that even from the womb, God told David. He knew who David was while he was in a womb. So Jeremiah was actually selected 
in a womb. This is why you pray for even children, unborn children in the womb. He had a mission to be a prophet to the nations. And what's amazing about Jeremiah, he was definitely a prophet, and he had very few to none converts. No one listened to this guy. He was just rejected. Now, later on in his ministry, they kept realizing everything he said came true, but then they still did not listen to what he said. But I protested. Here's his excuse. Jeremiah, in verse 6, says, Oh, no, Lord. Look, I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. He went the same route as Moses. But he even threw in the youth in there. He said Moses was old giving excuses. He was 80 years old giving his excuses. Jeremiah is a young teenager, and he's explaining to the Lord, I can't do this because I'm too young. And, of course, I can't speak. That's the standard answer to everything. When God asks you to say, oh, I can't speak. I don't, I don't know how to talk to anybody. I'm scared. But then the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth. For you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. When, you. when you speak up on behalf of the Lord, the Lord gives you the words to say. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. God uses young people to reach. I'll give you all a perfect example. You know, Daniel Jr., He's at Paris right now. He does the uh, sound for Voice of Praise. Well, he's gotten to know a, a guy down the street around the corner on Winthrop Drive near where we live, and the gentleman's name is Oakley Fane. Oakley Fane, is, he just turned, I think, 80 years old. Oakley uh, has been caring for his wife, who used to go to this church years and years ago, but she has had uh, dementia, and just her health, sadly, is just... She has had to re require 24-hour care for about 10 years now. Just, it's been a, just a sad time. So he can't leave the house very much. But because Junior walks the dog, he's been walking the dog because I guess we don't want, I guess that's my excuse, I don't want to walk the dog, so just pass it on down the line, send Junior to walk the dog. He's gotten to know this older man. Because Mr. Oakley, he's one of these war vets that just fixes everything. He's outside all the time. So you walk by his house, he's going to talk to you. He talks to everybody. He knows everybody in the neighborhood. Well, he's built a relationship with Mr. Oakley over the years. Tomorrow, well, his, his wife passed away last week. Okay, they've been out of church. They used to go here. But they've been out for about 10 years because of uh, uh, health concerns. We're going to see Mr. Oakley at this church next Sunday. He's going to be in the men's Sunday school class. I'm officiating the funeral. Junior's the pallbearer. We say, how, is that, how did that come about? That came about because a 14, 13-year-old boy was talking. God used a, a young teenager to reach an older man in his 70s at that time, ultimately for the gospel. And, you know, it would have been very easily if this relationship hadn't have been developed. Mr. Oakley, because he's been out in church for maybe 10 years or so, he didn't have a minister to officiate his wife's funeral, and he hasn't really had a church home the past decade. And right there, and some of y'all might remember his wife, Sandy Fain, who used to come here back in the, back in the 80s and in 90s as well. But what happened was God used an unlikely relationship, a young person, to reach an older person. So God tells us here, 
in verse 7, do not say to me, I'm only a youth. God can use young people. If you're a young person, the Lord will raise you up to reach all ages. The gospel crosses all boundaries, all age demographics. The unity of Jesus unites everyone, old and young alike. And remember, verse 8 says, Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration saying, Jeremiah, you might have some tough times, but the Lord, I will never abandon you because I called you. I'm the one who chose you for this. Then the Lord reached out His hand and touched my mouth. He touches His mouth and He says, I have now filled your mouth with my words. See, I have appointed you today. Today was Jeremiah's call. Over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and to demolish, to build and to plant. That is the call we see. And I want you to skip down to verse 17. We're going to read these last three verses here. So God touched his mouth and says, I don't want to hear that. Do you know why he touched his mouth? He touched his mouth to forgive him. He says, I don't want to hear your excuses. Jeremiah, come here. I'm going to touch your mouth and cleanse you. My mouth, my, your, my words will be in your mouth. Do not come to me and tell me I'm too, I'm too young, I'm not a good speaker. I will give you the words to say. The power of the gospel is Jesus does not walk around here on earth telling people how to be saved. God the Father doesn't appear in clouds. Angels do not appear in people's houses and teach people how God has chosen you and I as human instruments to lead and instruct people about the Lord. We are the ones He calls. He doesn't call angels. He doesn't call His Son. Son, they already obey the Lord. He calls us. And we have to guard ourselves against going around saying, oh, I, I can't. Too busy. Too tired. Again, you make, pri- you make whatever, you make time for your priorities. You can make time for anything. Anything. Last three verses here, then we'll wrap this up. Verse 17. Now look what he tells. After Jeremiah receives a touch from the Lord. What I love about this is he, uh, Jeremiah actually never said yes. God just assumed a yes. He got voluntold or voluncalled at this point. God just called him and gave him a couple of visions and says, this is what you're doing, Jeremiah. I'll touch your mouth. I'll cleanse you. I'll heal you. And then he says, verse 17, now get ready. Stand up and tell them everything that I command you. I bet Jeremiah was laying down when he received this call from the Lord. He's laying in bed. He's saying, Jeremiah, it's time to get out of bed. Laying in bed all day is not going to see people saved. There's more to life than moping around in your pajamas in the bedroom watching TV. So he says, there comes a time for you and I to quit making excuses, and you need to get ready, stand up, and go do what the Lord wants you to do. And for some of that, that's a first step is really just, a lot of times it's just coming into church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, we live in the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night routine here at Broadway. That's what the, that is the routine here at our church. And from my experience, somebody who's coming three times a week, they are going to, number one, they're going to hear the Word of God. They're going to be involved and committed in this church, and they're going to make friends and have ministry opportunities. Because you know every three or four days you're going to be in this building because God, God's brought you here. And he says, do not be intimidated by them or I will cause you to cower before them. Today, 
I am the one who's made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials and priests, and the population. And he's assuring Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, you're going to be standing before kings, but you remember, I'm the one who put you in charge. Don't be intimidated by these people who think they're high and lofty. They will fight against you, but never prevail over you, since I am with you to rescue you. And that last phrase says, Jeremiah, I want you to know, I have called you. I will give you the words to say. I'll give you the boldness to say it. And if you get in a bind, I'm the rescue God. So for many of us this evening, we have to look and say, am I just going through life, going through my Christian journey, just making excuses? Saying, I can't, I don't have time, I'm too tired, other things. And you just and I want to tell you when we do that, when I do that, we, you find that you're you're missing ministry opportunities, and you sense uh, you don't sit, feel very close to the Lord because you, you just you're you're telling Him you're never available. It's just you're offline. It says God, I can't do it. And the Lord is speaking to us. And this is the last comment I want to make. This is our takeaway. When the problem with excuses, I have this up here on the screen. You're telling God. Here it is. I don't want to do your will. That's really what it is. God wants you to do something. And you're telling us, God, I don't want your plan for my life. And here's why. And you just start spilling out the reasons. God, I don't want your will. I don't want your plan. And here, here's all the reasons why I can't do it. Cost too much, too busy. Um, I don't agree with the pastor. I don't like any of the people. I don't even like the location. I'm not a Baptist. You just go, just fill in the blank. There's, there's no, you can give an excuse for anything. Anything. And even church people are pros at doing it. You can even code it and make it look good and just throw some spirit and truth. Or I've been praying about it and the Lord said no. I mean, however you want to make it look presentable for your excuse. But ultimately, it's an excuse. Both of these men Moses and Jeremiah told the Lord, I don't want to do it. I'm not a good speaker. I'm too young. And the Lord overcame both of their reasons. Jeremiah had to be touched by the Lord. He had to be, his sin had to be removed because he was offering excuses. God's anger burned against Moses and had to send Aaron over there to babysit him, his older brother. And that's, that is what happens when we find ourselves going through life offering excuses it's sinful it's wrong and if you're doing that we need to repent we say god i have just been going going through my summer and just feeling distant from you giving reasons why i can't do it lord i pray for everybody here tonight i thank you that we see this powerful passage on excuses it's one that we need to take heed and uh, speak to us about how dangerous and detrimental it is for us to tell you and tell others why we can't do something Lord, there's many of us here that, Lord, you know there's people who we need to be praying for, we need to offer encouraging words to, we need to uh, just stop and just ask them about their life. But we're worried about TV shows and animals at home and things that aren't important. God, I just thank you that you will open up our eyes like you did to Moses and to Jeremiah and help them realize how wrong they were and we're in many ways, including me, we are just like them. 
Lord, it's sinful, it's wrong, and Lord, we want to be an excuse-free church. Lord, you can provide and meet any and every need here at Broadway and in our personal life. There's no limit to what you can do. Lord, I pray this invitation that we will be bold in responding to you and joining our church and just saying yes to following you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to stand up and sing, and we're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. 434 in your songbook. I'm going to be standing down front. This is your time. You can respond. You can join Broadway Baptist Church and make this your church home. Let's stand together. 434 this evening.